This is Jay Allen Smith, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason Sacco. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Buck Fever Synthetics, the premier attractant company, making not only the finest whitetail synthetic attractants, but also scents for elk, moose, bear, and hog hunters. Use with Buck Fever's Vanishing Hunter to reduce your scent and see the difference. Put out Buck Fever year-round to have the animals coming in. It crystallizes in dry soil and reactivates with moisture, and it never spoils. It simply works. Go to BuckFeverUSA.com to see the full line of Buck Fever Synthetics. Make bucks hunt you. Proudly made in America. Racks, offering the coolest bow hanger on the market. Display your bow with pride in your house, your garage, or anywhere you'd like. We carry most major brands while also offering a custom service if you have an idea or logo of your own that you'd like made into a hanger. Use them to display your traditional bow, compound bow, or even your crossbow. They also work great for hanging your hunting gear, your bags, or hats. Not to mention the design just looks plain awesome all by themselves. A Rax hanger makes for a great gift for that special hunter in your life. Go to RaxInc.com to see some of the available designs or contact us to discuss the custom hanger of your own. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason podcast, use the promo code PODCAST and get 15% off your first order. Rax, show off your passion. Tall Tines Taxidermy is your mid-Michigan taxidermist, conveniently located in Clarksville, Michigan. Lanny specializes in white-tailed deer and any other big-game animals you harvest. As a boutique taxidermy studio, you know who's doing your taxidermy work. Let Lanny Ross, owner of Tall Tines Taxidermy Studio, show you why his motto, Preserving Memories, produces one-of-a-kind works of art for you. Reach Tall Tines Taxidermy at 616-723-7970. Top 10% Deer Management is the premier land management company to help you see better deer on your property. Whether you have 10 acres or 10,000 acres, let a top 10% representative begin to help increase the correct deer habitat on your property. Go to top10percentdeermanagement.com for an introduction. Top 10% Deer Management. Manage. Hunt. Harvest. A family-owned business. DTO Optics wants to be your optics provider. They offer rugged and dependable rifle scopes, binoculars, spotting scopes, and rangefinder options. You'll find big-name quality optics at little-name prices. DTO Optics is your value-based optics company providing awesome customer service, a 30-day love-it-or-your-money-back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. Check out DTO Optics online at DTOOptics.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome to this episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Today I'm really excited because I've been able to catch up with Luke Harden. And Luke is one of the owners of Fob Archery. Fob Archery creates the product called Fletching Only Better. And it's a new but old product. And I'm going to introduce Luke and let him tell you a little bit more about what I mean by that. And Luke, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Hey, Thanks for having me on. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. And I understand you're based in South Carolina. Tell folks a little bit about Fob Archery and how you came to be an owner of this because it was developed by one person, but you saw a lot of potential in it as a customer. That's right. Yeah. So uh, it's actually a really cool story. Um, uh, I'm one of three owners uh, and 
we took over last year in July of 2018. The way we kind of uh, came about taking over ownership is my business partner, Brink, I got to know him when I was at Clemson University, and he's actually the one that got me into archery. Um, and he was using fobs at the time. He's a little older than I am, and so when he was in college, a roommate saw these things, never fletch an arrow again, you know, on archery talk. He's like, hey, why not give it a go? If they don't work, if they're a gimmick, you know, we're only out 30 bucks. So they tried them and never have, you know, used anything else since. Um, and so when I got into archery, Brent got me into archery about seven years ago. That's what I started using. And then fast forward, when I was in Clemson, at Clemson for mechanical engineering degree, got in touch with the former owner, uh, did some, some work for him, volunteer work, just this, that, and the other. So I, I kind of got to know him. And then um, about two years ago, started talking with them. He let me know that they were starting, they were looking to sell and pass it on to younger blood. And so, you know, that's kind of how it all worked out. And uh, we, we got the chance to take it over last July. And so we knew it was such a phenomenal product. Again, we've been using it for so long, has so many different benefits that if it was just marketed really well um, and, and kind of gotten out to the people um, that, it, you know, it could really grow. And for, for folks listening that might be wondering, uh, fob archery, or, or fob, which is fletching only better, basically takes yep. the arrow, removes the traditional veins that have been there for, you know, eons since the start of archery, and replaces it with yep. a, in essence, a round aerodynamic disc with its own type yep. of uh, vein or yeah. rudder in it. And yep. being designed by an engineer, an aerospace engineer, these things from what I gather, because I'm a new archer as far as traditional archery, I, I shoot a crossbow most of the time. But from what I'm gathering and, and doing some research and watching some of the folks talking about them on like the YouTube items, is it makes for a much better aerodynamic flight and allows crosswinds not to come into as much play. That's right. Yeah. So, so if you, and, and this is a cool way to think about it, if you think about, picture like a submarine or picture uh, an old time bomb being dropped out of a plane. What do you kind of picture on the backside? You pretty much picture what the fob looks like. Uh, that's kind of, those are the very, very, very basic principles of, you know, kind of why it was designed that way, you know, and, and so basically it's got three internal veins um, that have a four degree offset, an outer ring wing that is actually if you were to cut that out a ring wing, the front side of it would be a little bit thicker than the back side of it, which is basically an airfoil shape. So in, in it being rigid, it's a really able to give uh, stabilization to that arrow through the whole flight. You know, you get consistent spin rate every time. Um, you know, you think about uh, if you were to slow down video of a blazer vein or, or any other, other vein on the market, really, they're, they're malleable. I mean, some are a little bit more um, rigid-ish than, than a blazer, but nonetheless, they're all going to flutter in flight. The flob's not going to give at all. It's rigid. And so you think about a football, throwing a football, if you throw a spiral, you know, why, why you throw a spiral versus a duck, it, it's, it's more consistent. It's going um, to fly better with that better spin rate. The same, the same principle applies to the fob, too, which is part of the reason that it, it gives better aero stabilization. And then, yes, that, that outer ring wing, essentially, one, it cuts the, the side, the, just the actual size of the fob from the cross section is smaller. And it being a, a cylinder on the outside covering those veins, 
is, is those are the two reasons why crosswinds are, are largely the fob is not affected by them. Now, let me ask, I know with a traditional arrow in your, in your fletching, you want to line that knock up with the one vein. Is that a requirement yep. with the fob to line it up with one of the blades in the internal blades? Oh, it's always a good practice to do that. I mean, you, you don't have to, but, but of course that's the best practice. Um, and actually it's, it, that kind of, it, you kind of, um, I'm going to answer a question that's sort of related, but you didn't really ask this. So one thing that's always important, as we know, is indexing veins with, with your broadhead, right? Sometimes that can be a pain in the butt with traditional fletching because, you know, some guys will like screw their broadhead on first and then put their arrow in the jig and make sure that they're going to get one fin uh, or all, if they're using a three blade broadhead, they're going to get all three, you know, lined up perfectly when that broadhead's tightened and all that. So it can kind of be annoying to get that a broadhead indexed with your, your veins correctly. Well, the fob, because it's only held, it's not glued or anything like that. It's just held on by the press fit of the knot. You can still, it's, it's not so tight that you can't spin it with your hand in whatever orientation you want, but it's also not so loose that just the actual airflow when it's shot is going to move it. If that makes sense. Sure. And for folks that are listening in the show notes, uh, there's a gentleman, John Lusk of Lusk archery adventures who did a really good 18 minute or so video on fob and comparing them with traditional veins. I'm going to have a link to that mm-hmm. video in the show notes so people can go out and see about what we're talking about and get a really good feeling yep. for what these things, because I think he shoots 80 yards with the fob. He does, yeah. So he's he's really put them to the test from, in a, I think he shoots in his basement at 20 yards, and in his outside he's shooting up to 80 yards. So it's a really yep. good overall video. Yeah, we agree. And, and John's so thorough. I mean, he we got in contact with him, and, and you know, he definitely asked us straight up. You know, he told us he only did honest reviews, and we were more than you know happy about that. Um, certainly, we don't want to have any biased reviews out there. And, and he did such a great job of just kind of you know going through the whole uh, everything about fobs that you would really need to know. I mean, he at the t- towards the end, he kind of goes over. I think it was. I think it was seven, um, seven pluses and seven for basically seven pros and seven cons. And, and so that's a great, I think it's around the 12 minute mark. And I thought we thought that was phenomenal, especially, you know, you sound, it kind of sounds like, Oh, seven, seven cons, you know, that's, but it's funny that he mentions them and then he kind of, they don't really end up being cons for him. They just end up being things to think about. So, um, so yeah, we definitely recommend that, that video. Yeah. The word con is used. But it turns out that it's not really a negative aspect of the fob. It's just an item you need to be aware of that will be, in most cases, different if you're used to using veins. Yeah, that's right. Now, tell me, they're just not as simple, though, for a bow hunter to say, all right, I'm going to get rid of veins and, and use fobs. There's certain equipment they won't work with on a bow. I personally, on my bow right now have a whisker biscuit which worked best as a new archer for me Mm, yeah so i know that is a piece of equipment that doesn't work but there's a lot of options to work around that because there's so i know there's people that just hate whisker biscuits it worked for me at the at the spot but you really need more of a drop away rest or or things that nature to utilize that fob correctly yeah, yeah, exactly. And and there's nothing wrong with a whisker biscuit to, to us if you're starting out. Now, I, I personally do think that 
drop away is, is going to be more accurate. And I know there are different different reasons guys use whisker biscuits. Most of the time it's because they're starting out. They don't want to spend $120, $140 on a, on a drop away. Other guys use whisker biscuit, biscuits because they don't they spot and stalk and, and they don't want their air bouncing around they swear by that and then in the third group really is because they it never fails so to speak type of deal and maybe a lot of guys that have had traumatic experiences where they maybe a rest failed for some reason and didn't drop and it caused them to lose an animal or on a you know a five ten thousand dollar hunt so you know it, there's nothing wrong with the drop away but or excuse me a, a whisker biscuit but yes you do have to use a drop away with the fob it will not pass through a, a whisker biscuit um one other thing that that you need to kind of be aware of when you're thinking about purchasing fobs is your anchor point what we mean by that is if you anchor in such a way that your the arrow the knock is is so far back on your jaw you know, you might have some some facial contact issues that just one is maybe uncomfortable to you but two the fob might poke into your cheek and cause facial contact or pressure such that, you know, it's going to cause inconsistent arrow flight because it's, you're kind of pushing that the string out and whatnot. So most guys, and there are some photos I think on our Instagram that you can check out, but most guys are using it, like to use it as a kisser button or, and if they don't, it's still set far and far enough forward where it's not causing any sort of issues like that. So that's another thing to think about as well. So really, though, the the main thing that you need to use it is is the drop away rest outside of yes, and then is they don't work with uh, any sort of knock bushing or unibushing. The same thing, that just two different names. Basically, um, they they'll step down the knock, and so the the fob won't hold in. So the way that fobs are 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 designed are the the knock or the inner diameter of an arrow controls what size fob you need to order. And then the front side that slides over the actual arrow shaft is more of a one size fits all type of deal where, you know, it will fit, fit the full spectrum of spines um, because, again, spine is going to control that wall thickness, which changes the outer diameter of that arrow. So if you shoot, say, a um, weaker arrow, which would be thinner, you may have a slight gap in between the shaft and the, the, the front hub of the fob that goes over the arrow. That's not going to cause any sort of issues in flight, but it you know, cause it's so thin, but it's there. And then, again, it's kind of a one size fits all. So what you need to be concerned about is, is that inner diameter. And so what knock bushings do is it's certain they protect arrows and, and whatnot, but they won't work because they step down the knock, which then throws off and your fob won't stay on the arrow. Oh, okay. And I'm looking at your website. If anybody it's fob archery, F O B archery.com. You've got fobs that go for a standard arrow size all the way down to a micro arrow size. Yep. That's right. So the four most common arrow diameters on the market. And again, when I say arrow diameter, they're mainly going off of inner diameter. So if you look at, for example, the Eastern axis, and a lot of them will even say like five millimeter on the side, that's referring to the inner diameter of that shaft. So, there are four common uh, uh, inner diameters on the market, and so we offer for all four of those. I shoot a standard arrow because I'm just learning archery. And with that sizing, uh, Luke, and you've got, say, the standard you know, 6.2-millimeter arrows down to the micro in the 4-millimeter range, your fobs fit a, a number of the major arrow manufacturers' brands. So most people that have arrows in their quiver are going to be able to test out the fob in one manner or another, or even pick up a single arrow somewhere to to test with it. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys actually that that are intrigued, but again, don't want to cut. You know, there's a lot of skepticism around Fobs, and rightfully so. It's so different. But a lot of guys that want to eventually pull the trigger will have, you know, maybe they'll have some fletchings that have been ripped off from just shooting groups or whatever the case may be, or just some old arrows laying around that they don't mind cutting the fletchings off, and and then they'll outfit those. So, so yeah, we've got the full range of sizes if if you want to whatever arrow you use. Well, one of the things that I saw in some of the videos I was watching that made which is really the the unique feature of the the fob is that obviously with the archery you generally want to try and get a pass through if at all possible when that arrow hits that animal and that arrow keeps going what happens when that fob hits the animal so when you get a pass through uh the way that fobs are are designed again the the knock presses through the back side of the um of the fob it's got a basically a lip or a shoulder if you want to call it that and that that the knock from your arrow will you take it out and then you put it in the back of the fob and that that knock is pressed it with the fob so it's it's not going to just come out you know really loose or anything like that it's going to stay together then you should push the knock into the arrow and and that's how fast you can uh, fletch up an arrow that quick now on the flip side to address your question when you when you get a pass to an animal the fob then pops off when it hits the animal body and the knock again it stays with the fob and then it falls within usually five feet or less of where that pass occurred typically helping you locate the spot where you need to start looking for blood which is you know always a great thing for even tree stand hunters and spot and stalk hunters so if I'm using, say, the orange or the green, which is easily identifiable in on the a forest floor, a, a field, and I have a, mm-hmm. a lighted knock, a strobe knock, anything like that, those two should be together. They yep. should fall within, you know, a few feet of where you hit that animal. Again, everything's subject to there's always an outlier there, but they should be within a few feet of where you hit that animal. You get mm-hmm. that. And then you know, you if you carry like I've seen, I've seen people tie off where they find their first spot of blood, or you know, tie off little flags, whatever. You know, you have a starting yeah. point to start doing an arc to look for your first spot of blood. You pick up your fob, and then you start following your your blood trail. Yeah, yeah, and that brings me to another thing I I, I can go ahead and address. I'm not sure if you were going to ask about, but. But you mentioned lighted on fobs. Yeah, lighted knocks work uh, with fobs. They just will stay with the fob, not the arrow. Now, uh, regarding that, Luminox, the brand Luminox, um, Luminox kind of the, the Kleenex of lighted knocks, if you will, meaning that a lot of people will say, oh, I shoot a Luminox. But that what they really mean is they shoot a lighted knock. Right. Because Luminox is a brand. Luminox is the actual, actually the only one that does not work with fobs, um, and that's because of the way that the electrical circuit is completed. I kind of won't get into it, but, but the electrical circuit is completed by, not by like a button or something. So anyway, the fob kind of prevents it from the electrical circuit from being completed. Some guys, I don't really know exactly how they do it, but some guys kind of modify and they do, they can work, but it's n- just right off the shelf, they don't work. Um, and, and then the other thing I was going to address, too, about lighted knocks is some guys listening might be thinking, well, I use my lighted knocks to find my arrow. So if it stays with a fob, you know, I'm still worried about finding my arrow. Um, what we would kind of say to that is, and we, we completely understand that, most guys that are running fobs 
are running reflective arrow wraps on their arrow. And I mean, if you've never used a reflective arrow wrap, it's crazy how these things, how bright these things are. I mean, at least the ones we sell on our website, I mean, most of the ones that you can find out there are, you know, you shine a flashlight even relatively in the vicinity and those things just light up like a Christmas tree. So, so that would be something I would kind of a point to make about lighted knocks with fobs. Okay. So the lighted knock, you know, like a nocturnal, let's say as an example, as an alternative yeah. is going to pop yeah. off. I, I personally like the idea I understand what you mean by guys are saying I want to use it for the arrow, but if it's dark yep. out, that that lighted knock is a going to allow me if I'm recording to watch the trajectory of the yep. arrow, that's right. See where it yep. hit on the animal, and it's going to allow yep. me to find that fob where anybody that's ever started to track any type of animal when it's dusk or dark knows that finding that first spot of blood, the way the ground looked from your your bow stand or from your blind mm-hmm. in the daytime looks completely different at least it does to me once the sun goes down so yeah to have that lighted knot yep. going off either in a strobe fashion or a single light where i can go in there and say okay boom here's where i want to start and then away i go and i've i have some reflective stuff on my crossbow arrows and i i completely understand you hit it with a light you will see it yep yeah, and and I just wanted to kind of hit that because we hear that I'm more along the lines with you, but some guys actually I I was pretty surprised after taking over and you know obviously having the field customer service stuff and and that sort of thing and just interacting with our customers and whatnot how many people actually didn't know about arrow wraps in general um, it's kind of surprising actually um, so I just want to I always like to make that. Um, you know, people aware of that and kind of address that in general, because well, I've also found that people use lighted knocks for various reasons. Some guys purely use them, like you said, to, to watch the trajectory and they don't really, aren't thinking about, you know, the you know, finding their arrow, so to speak, um, maybe because they use a wrap already or just whatever. Uh, but some guys purely use them because they've got $50 in an arrow, you know, between the broadhead and the arrow and whatever else components. So, they're really concerned about finding that arrow, so I always like to address that as well. Oh, sure, and and both are valid concerns. So yeah, I agree. You know, even if the person out there is not using a a fob, putting reflective tape on the arrow is just one extra way. A reflective wrap yep. is just another additional yep. insurance policy for recovering that arrow because you sit there and go, well, ammunition's expensive. I don't want to be just wasting ammunition. Then you go, wait a minute. I spent $1, $2 for a bullet, but I got 50 bucks wrapped up in an arrow by the time I put a broadhead on there and a lighted knock and everything yep. else I'm, I'm flinging down there. So, yep. And that draws me back to another thing I, I watched. And I think some of the people that were doing some testing of the fob and you and I talked a little bit about this before we recorded but I think some of them missed some of the points on this is that the fob is really designed as a hunting accessory it's not a like a 3d archery target where you're going to be professionally 3d archery shooting and as such yeah when you're out there if you're shooting let's say a block target that's got like those what four or five different nine different points where you can shoot on on it you want to pick a point on your target and aim and shoot. You don't want to try and say group all for the center hole because you could cause yourself some issues. Yeah. And, and I would say too, like say 90% or if not a hundred of our percent of our customers are using it for hunting. And, and that is a primary 
purpose just because of the nature, especially of the pop-off feature being so convenient for hunting and that sort of thing. But I would not discount using them in in competition. It's it, well indoor or field archery, anything, any of the competitions where you only are aiming at one target or one, one arrow per target, um, like indoor, you know, three spot indoor. Um, okay, that makes but sense. 3d archery. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause they are extremely accurate. They're, they're, they really are more accurate than traditional veins. Um, especially, you know, when you're outdoors, but, um, so I wouldn't discount it there and we'd love for more people to start using them indoor, but yes, yeah, certainly 3d is not, really the the place because um I, I talked to you a little bit about this prior to us recording but and, and i'm not opposed to to letting you know the public know this but they're there because they need to know 3d archery asa reg- regulated tournaments fobs are not allowed because uh they will deflect arrows and that's so you know that's that's fair so um there's no hard feelings there it's just the way it is so you wouldn't want to use them in 3d unless you're like a super local tournament just like a local shoot where they don't really mind. And people do that from time to time. But any sort of ASA regular or IBO even regulated tournament, um, you're not going to be able to use those in that 3D tournament. Okay, interesting. And your company has certainly, you know, if anybody goes out to your website, fobarchery.com, fobarchery.com, it's not that this product has not been tested in hunting. You've got a trophy gallery out there of people oh, that yeah. have used your product over the years and taken just about everything from exotics like sheep and rams up to some of the more heavy-duty African animals and so forth. These, yep. again, are not reducing the effectiveness of your arrow, the effectiveness of your broadhead. They're strictly making the arrow fly a little bit better, a little bit truer. Yeah, yeah, they're going to... They're gonna especially broadhead stability they definitely help with broadhead stability whether you're shooting a mechanical or a fixed blade whether it's a two three four blade um fixed blade um and and actually uh bringing john's video back up he may he actually did a, a pretty cool little experiment where he shot through ballistics gel um and test the pass through and you know the uh, penetration wise and the fobbed arrow got more penetration in his little rig that he had than the flush arrow, basically because if you think about it, when you get a pass through, it only takes that little bit of energy to pop that fob off. And then after that, you've got a bare shaft running through meat, bone, tissue, whatever. With the fletching, you've got that dragging the whole way through the animal. So you actually get better penetration, smoother penetration, if you will, with the fob. So, and, but yes, going back to your, your point about that. Yeah. They've been used all over the world for tons of animals. So I took a kudu with a, a 30 odd six rifle. That animal's no joke. You know, they, they can take yep. some serious punishment. So these guys that have knocked them down with their arrows, again, the idea that once that fob pops off, that allows that arrow and that broadhead to continue wreaking its damage as it travels you know, hopefully deeper and through the animal versus yep. all of a sudden you got three fletchings that hit the animal and the arrow's still going fast. You still, plenty of pass-throughs happen with fletching, but it does yeah, slow course. that arrow down and it, it makes complete sense. So it's a neat product. I I can see at some point here, I'm going to have to replace my whisker biscuit with a drop away rest and that's going to really uh, require going to my local archery store to find out a, a good drop away rest and get it 
get yeah. it timed up. And when somebody buys right now, you're primarily sold online. When somebody mm-hmm. buys fobs online, they get what they come in a 12 pack. Yes, sir. They, they'll come with a dozen fobs with a clearance tester. And, and you do make a good point about uh, going to your shop and, and bringing up another topic. And you may have been getting to this point, but, but with the, with the dropway rest, um, there are two styles. And, and again, we're, we're all about educating people uh, that, that don't know certain things. So a lot of people don't realize there are two types of dropway rest. There's a limb driven and then there's a cable driven. And that's just a matter of how they, how they work and you know, what's actually making them drop. A limb driven is what it sounds like. It's the cord actually extends to the top or bottom limb. And that's what makes it drop is when the limb deflects, you know, or when you pull back and the limb deflects, the rest comes up. And then when you shoot the limb recoiling back, makes it drop those are less common on the market than cable driven which ties into your bus cable but really important to know that shops need to know that that anybody that shoots fobs need to know is the fob is we kind of call it a truth teller because it will tell you if your setup is correct or not especially your your dropway rest because if that dropway rest is not timed properly, and yes, I'm talking about the rest, not your cams. People talk about cam timing and this, that, and other. I'm talking about rest timing, so making sure that rest is falling uh, when it needs to fall. If it's not set up properly, then the fob being rigid is going to hit it, and, and it's not necessarily pop off, but it'll kick up or it'll, it, it's going to cause some sort of erratic arrow flight. And so it's best practice to use a drawboard to make sure that that, uh, that dropaway is set up right and set up and timed right, if you will. Now, the good thing about using a limb-driven is that you don't have to time it, really. They're, they're, they're self-timed, per se, because it all is a, according to the, the limb deflection. So we actually, I mean, personally and as a company, we prefer limb-driven um, because, you know, again, you don't have to worry about timing that. So, And, and that's to be said about fletchings or or fobs because the reality is if you're getting contact with your fobs you're getting contact with your fletchings almost 90 percent of the time probably because fletchings set farther forward than the fob does so it has that much you know the fob has that much more time to get to the rest if you will yeah the limb driven like you said that makes sense only because it's all one reaction you don't have to as you said Mm -hmm. you don't have to go and worry about the timing and like you said, if you if you're getting contact with a, a fob, that means you're getting contact with your vein most likely. Your yep. arrows your arrows getting bounced a little bit for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah. and you can't tell. A lot of guys can't tell because they can't. They're so soft. Fletchings are so soft. They can't really hear it, and it's not going to quite. You know, it's not going to quite derail that arrow from its arrow flight as much because again they're malleable, so they just kind of bend out of the brush out of the way of the fork if they're hitting it. But once you start getting out to longer distances, that's when you're going to start to see. But but obviously, any any hunter or any archer, if if they're you know they they're going to want to have their bow set up properly. So so fobs in a sense are kind of a good thing because they're again they're going to show you if your rest is timed properly or not. And sadly enough, there are a lot of shops out there that guys that the, the so-called techs don't really know how to time a. a uh, cable driven rest so that's something to be aware of for anybody yeah and it, there's enough other moving parts on the bow i'm always if there's something i can keep simpler for myself 
if if that's the correct yep. word choice, like a limb driven, yep. then I'm going to probably look at that because it's one less thing I have to worry about. Yeah. And I'll tell you too, just kind of, we're getting a little bit off of fobs, but I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that because I'm kind of an archery geek. So I love talking about stuff, but a lot of people haven't shot limb driven rest up until now because of, uh, up until I think this year when two companies launched and I'll talk about the, the two companies, but they, they wouldn't hold the arrow up prior to drawback. So the way that, again, that they worked is you pull back and then that rest would lift up as you drew and then it would drop as you, you know, fired. Well, now trophy taker and ripcord both have a, um, you know, they arrest that is limb driven, but it also locks up prior to the shot. So like a QAD or like a, or like any other rest, QAD is kind of one of the more popular ones on the market, but it, you can lock it up pre, you know, draw. Well, now you can do that with the ripcord. I think it's called the, I just think it's called the ripcord lock LOK and then the trophy taker, uh, lock up. Uh, those are two rests that we would recommend. Oh, cool. If, if you're going with that. And honestly, I think the, if I'm not mistaken, the trophy taker is a little less expensive. So if you're on a budget and, and but you still want to kind of go to that, I think the trophy taker is going to be your go-to. And I actually just purchased that, that rest as well. So I'm excited to get it, put on my, my bow. And I think it's the SmackDown lockup is actually what it's called. I've had the SmackDown, like not just the normal for a while. And, and that's, I still love that rest, but I did, uh, you know, the only thing I didn't like about it is that it, it wouldn't lock up because before that I shot a QAD and I loved how it locked up and it was full containment and everything. But now you got pretty much the best of both worlds in that trophy taker SmackDown lockup or the, again, the rip, the ripcord lock. Neat. And if anybody has additional questions for y'all at Fob Archery, they can go to the website fobarchery.com and there is a contact yep. page and they can That's right. they can do tech support. They can send in a trophy that they may have taken using a fob. Yeah. If you're an archery dealer out there and you have some questions or think that this might be something that's good in your store, there's a direct email address for you there. There's a customer mm -hmm. service email address, or you can just fill out the actual contact form and shoot it in. Or last but not least, the old fashioned way, you can call the 864 you know, number on there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and either any way you want to reach out to us, we're, we're big on, you know, customer service. We want to get back quickly to you guys and offer you the best services as, as we can. And, and so whether it's that contact form on the contact page where you literally fill it out and it comes to us or any of the actual emails, you want to directly email those. That's great. You can also reach us, reach out to us like direct message on Instagram or direct, uh, what do you call it, messaging on Facebook. Any of those will also, we respond to those really quickly as well. Um, but we love, I, I will say this at this point, as we're growing and we're not, as slammed busy as we like to be. I mean, we're, we're very busy, but we love talking with people. So you know, don't be afraid to call in. We, we love to get to know our customers and, you know, help out in that way too. So, Well, that's fantastic. And I'm going to have links in the show notes to both your Facebook and Instagram page, but anybody that's going through your website can also go at the trophy gallery page. There's links to email you Facebook yep. and Instagram right there. And they're impressive animals. If you're wondering, Hey, is this going to, like I said, is this going to mess up my arrow flight? Because let's face it, whether it's a hog in the woods or 
a lifetime shot at your first, you know, or only shot at a moose, you don't want to screw that up and A, maybe not get a shot or B, even worse, wound the animal. That's not an issue with this because the fob has been tested on all these big animals and it's really around your archery skills and not so much the product. The product is just going to enhance what you're already doing. That's right. So, I mean, I'm seeing turkeys on here and all sorts of amazing animals that have been... We actually had a, a world record stag on there killed by the um, uh, now owner of B3 Archery. And so, and the funny thing was kind of so random, you know, a world record stag gets killed. And then literally like 10 hours later, it got, that record got broken. <laughs> so, um, or it was something crazy like that. So, yeah, we had a lot of customers take some pretty significant animals so we're always loving to share. We love to share, you know, in that success with our customers. So we love getting pictures of whether it's again those kill kills, you know, any animal you harvest, or if you want to just send it send like a cool group you took. You know, we we love to repost that stuff and give you guys credit. You know, give our customers credit and you know, kind of brag on them. So we welcome that stuff. You know, Luke, I, I really appreciate your time. I can't thank you enough because I, I think this is really a product that, well, I've seen it before. I've never had the opportunity to use it because of the way I've shot archery using a crossbow. But I'm really intrigued after watching John, you know, Lusk Archery Adventures video. And I'm going to have that in the mm -hmm. show notes for everybody. And, and I, I look forward to talking with you as we go forward in the future. I'd like to see how this goes. And it looks like I might have to go out and do a little archery rest shopping to see if I can't switch out a whisker biscuit to a drop away and maybe monkey around with these things a little bit and see if see how I, I like them. Yeah, well, we'd love to. We'd love for you to do that. And um, again, we we I really appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. You have a great evening. And again, I can't thank you enough for your time. It was a pleasure talking with you. Same here. Thanks so much. You take care. Bye bye. Come early spring, it's getting green. Fisher on the bed, and hear those turkeys gobble. It's ringing in my head. The winter rides bass boat, here comes another year. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Oh, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Come summertime, we're feeling fine, fishing on the lake, flipping jigs in Carolina rigs. From early morning till real late, bonfires on the creek bank, kick back a couple beers. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's doves until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands The fever starts to creep 
Fill our freezers full of ducks, lots of tender deer. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. So grab your guns, shells, boys. Put on your camouflage. Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors